Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The NCAA tournament does open the fire hose today. Today and tomorrow are amazing. So where are you posted up? At your couch? In a sports bar? In a cubicle? Crushing the best event in all sports all day long? Because, again, you're going to see teams you've never heard of. You're going to see players you've never seen before. And it's going to be awesome. But, that said, if today is the best day on the sports calendar, there is another one coming up that might be nearly as amazing, nearly as good. And that day is the day that the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers meet in the NBA playoffs. Because, based on what I saw last night, that is going to be one of the saltiest matchups ever. And we, as a people, we need to do everything we can to make that happen. You see, there's nothing in this world, now more than ever, that we can all agree upon. Except for that one thing. We need the Celtics and the Sixers in the postseason. So let me get the details of last night's game out of the way. Philadelphia wins 118-115. But that almost doesn't even matter. That's a minor point compared to everything else that went down. Because this game had everything. It had Joel Embiid having a monster game. It had Jimmy Butler having a monster fourth quarter. It had Philadelphia coming back from down double digits in the second half. Man, it had so much more. It had Jimmy Butler doing this. Jimmy Butler with it. Ten seconds to go on the shot clock. Ten seconds now to go in the game. Jimmy with the dribble. Jimmy loses it. He almost fell out of bounds. He shoots it. It's good. He made it with under five seconds to go. Jimmy Butler has come up huge, and the crowd roars. Sixers radio. I'm not sure what was more impressive, the shot or the pose, the way he styled it after that shot. Because Butler drains a clutch shot in a near-impossible situation, And then he stayed in a crouch admiring it for, like, well, damn, I think he's still there admiring it. Still now. I mean, that joint was rocking. Again, that's a March game. But that felt like a May game. There are the games that are not supposed to matter, but that one mattered. That one mattered a hell of a lot. Because it also had this. Roll it. Ben Simmons near midcourt. And Uh and Uh Bede got knocked down by Smart and Bede Uh wants a piece of him. The two of them are nose-to-nose in the middle of the lane, and B took a tough spill near the baseline, and Smart just kind of stood there and watched them fall. Wow. I didn't see what precipitated that. Uh-oh. Marcus Smart exploding on Joel, and Twitter damn near exploding with him. Smart shoves Joel from behind and sends him flying. Now, it really depends on where you come out of Marcus Smart. Either you love Marcus Smart or you hate him. Either you think that Marcus Smart is the baddest, toughest dude ever, or you think that he's the cheapest, dirtiest dude ever. And the truth is probably somewhere in between, right? But that was not his best moment, not by a long shot. I'm not going to call it a cheap shot. I don't have to. Joe did it for me. Quote, obviously I was frustrated because it was a cheap shot. I didn't see it coming. It caught me off guard. But I mean, I really don't want to talk about it. I don't care, end quote. Blindsiding a guy like that is high drama, but it's also, in this case, pretty low rent. It's not something you want to be doing in a situation like that because it got him ejected, and then Philadelphia goes on an 8-0 run. Then again, it's not like that's totally out of character for Smart. As Brad Stevens seemed to acknowledge after the game. We needed him out there. Don't get it wrong. We love all that Marcus is, and, and that's 
part of Marcus is his fire. And um, as you know, a, a year, a time or two a year, uh, it gets the best of him. Um, but, you know, he, this is just a reminder of how important he is. And um, he knows how we all feel and he knows we all love him. Pretty well said. That's the epitome of, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed in you. You know, that speech we all heard from our parents at some point. And Stevens is right. The Celtics do feed off Smart's fire, but that was way too much fire in that moment. It burned him. But that wasn't even the best stuff from last night. The best stuff was everything that came after the game. Now think about that for a second. That was a great battle on the floor with some amazing moments. But I'm telling you what happened after the game is even better. And believe me, because in this case, I'm right. What happened after the game was better because these two teams hate each other's guts. There's a definite big brother, little brother thing going on here. And the Celtics have been beating the crap out of little bro for a while now. They bullied the Sixers. They have figured out ways to frustrate Joe. And last night was all about the Sixers finally fighting back and Joe getting over, Joe getting loose. But check the Celtics in the locker room after the game. Marcus Morris was asked about Embiid getting to the line so many times. And his response was, quote, what's the season series? And when told the answer that he already knew, the Celtics did one at 3-1, Morris said, quote, okay, about time, about time, end quote. Like, about time what? About time Embiid had a big game? He said, no, about time they got a win. About time, end quote. Like, got salt? Yeah, he does. And then there was Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier got loose with this. Yeah, I thought the confetti was going to drop tonight. <laughs> no, I did. I was a huge, big win. I'm not trying to take nothing away from him, but I thought the confetti was dropping tonight. Man, that is so good. That is so good. I thought the confetti was going to drop tonight in a regular season game. Like, good job, good effort, good Junior. Good you want a regular season game, and you're acting like you just ripped the Larry O. And that's after a clip. There's more. That's after a clip from an interview between Christine Leahy and Rogier dropped earlier this week that had the following exchange. Question. First word that comes to mind when I say Joel Embiid. Rogier. Lame. Lame. And if you think that went unnoticed by Joe, then you don't know Joe. Because Joe knows everything. And Joe hears everything, which is why he went with this in his post-game interview. Well, I'm glad. First of all, I'm glad we got the win. Second of all, this is one of the best defensive players in the league. And third of all, I've been hearing that these guys can go on me better than anybody else. So I just had to come out and show that uh, I'm, a, I'm the most unstoppable player in the league. How could anybody ever have a problem with that guy? I'm the most unstoppable player in the league. And when you see that stat line, 37 points, 20 of 21 from the line, 22 rebounds, are you going to argue with him? I'm not. But as impressive as those numbers were, they take a distant second to him dropping that, I am the most unstoppable player in the league. And then there was this from Joe, who you know couldn't wait to get to his phone and get to Insta. A post of him celebrating with Terry Rozier. In the background and the caption, quote, big time win, hashtag the process. But the best part is not the photo or the caption, it's the location. Location being, quote, lame town. Man, this dude is so awesome. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't want a Celtics Sixers playoff rematch. Man, I need it. I need it and I need it right now. And I need that thing to go 17 games.
Trust the process. Trust the process. I'm, a, I'm the most unstoppable player in the league. Location, Lame Town. Trust the process. Trust the process. We are joined by PJ Tucker. PJ, it's great to have you back. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, man. How you doing? Good, dude. Good, good, good. So you're coming off a tough one last night, PJ, against Memphis. You've got San Antonio tomorrow. So are you able to shake off a loss like that pretty quickly, or does a loss like that maybe linger a little bit longer? PJ. PJ, pick him up. And now we go back to it. PJ, that was kind of weird. Nice to have you back. How are you? That was super weird. I don't know. I was talking, and then you guys were saying hello at the same time. Dude, that was super weird. I was saying, yeah, kind of a tough loss to Memphis last night. Does that, with San Antonio coming up tomorrow, do you quickly turn the page, or does a loss like that maybe linger a moment or two longer? No. With us and how our team plays, uh, you know, we bounce right back. Uh, we've been playing really well since all-star break. Uh, and you know, we're, we're a determined group, and God's goal we have. Uh, you know, Memphis came out playing well last night, but you know, we have to do going forward. P.J. Tucker, my guest. Listen, there's so many things I want to talk to you about because I always loved and respect the way you approach the game both on and off the floor. But I want to say this. Your name came up earlier this week when I had North Carolina Central coach Lavelle Moten on the program, and he was talking about Enloe High School and how much pride he has in seeing what you've done. So what's it mean to you to be representing Enloe on the biggest stage right now? Uh, it means everything. Uh, we've had so many guys uh, you know, that weren't ironed that night uh, to be able to come out of Enloe. Uh, it's always been a basketball school. We've had tons of guys go to college, a uh, few NBA players, and you know it's our tradition. So uh, it means everything. So we're talking about guys like Moten, Nate McMillan. The story goes that your jersey was the first to be retired. In fact, what's it mean right. to have your jersey retired there? Oh, man, it was huge. It was the first time anybody's jersey has ever been retired there. So uh, you know, that alone. Uh, was big time, but we had tons of All-Americans come through there. Uh, Chris Wilcox, Mike Bell, I mean, it's, it's, the list goes on and on, so uh, it's pretty cool to be one of the first there after that. Hey, listen up. Finding high-quality clothes that fit great is not always easy. In fact, it's almost always hard. This is why I'm so fired up that I now know about Outer Known. Outer Known, founded by Pro Surfer and 11-time world champion Kelly Slater. I have my gear. I've been wearing it. I've got their sweaters. I've got some pants. It looks awesome. It feels great. My wife, Janet's like, damn, look at you. Where'd you get that? I said, outer known. She's all about it. My two sons think I look pretty cool. And the thing about this company is they've got a mission to not only provide great clothes that do not harm the environment. Outer known clothes are for people and planet. High quality, sustainable clothes, durable construction, and a great fit. And they look amazing. Outer known also only works for factories that pay fair living wages and provide safe working conditions. So what I'm saying to you is, this company is about all the right stuff, founded by a legend, and the clothing looks and feels amazing. I'm wearing mine all the time. Go to OuterKnown.com today. Enter my code name Rome at checkout. You'll get 25% off your full price order. That's OuterKnown.com. O-U-T-E-R-K-N-O-W-N.com. Remember, use my code Rome at checkout. Get your 25% off. Check them out right now. OuterKnown.com. Do not forget the promo code Rome and get your 25% off. Houston Rocket, PJ Tucker, my guest. Now, last time you and I spoke, we talked about your amazing journey from Enloe to college and then around the world before coming back to the NBA. You know, the fact is, you had a really good thing going overseas. You didn't need the NBA. So what made you come back? Um, I'm kind of my family. Uh, my wife wanted me to come back. You know, she uh, wanted me to give it one last shot. You know, I didn't really want to. Um, so 
but that was a big determining factor uh, because I honestly was ready to turn it down uh, because I was comfortable and I just signed a multi-year deal over there. So um, it was one of those situations where, you know, uh, giving it one last try and end up being the try to work. So uh, I'm definitely uh, blessed and grateful for the opportunity. P.J. Tucker, my guest. The thing is, it's not like you came back and you're just hanging on. You've come back and you've become an essential part. Mike D'Antoni said this about you, quote, to be honest with you, I don't know if anybody could replace P.J. I'm sure there are some out there, maybe superstars, maybe. But then again, I don't think so because he's perfect for us, end quote. It's extremely high praise. What's it mean to you to hear that from your coach? That means a lot. Anytime you have your coach talk about you like that, it's big time. Um, it was one of those things where the way the game has changed, it kind of Taylor said for how I play, um, you know, and especially the way the Rockets play. Uh, we, uh, you know, we have so many guys on our team that can do so many different things. Uh, more more than that, we need people to come in and fill spots, you know, doing to be able to knock down shots, you know, to guard people, uh, 50-50 balls, uh, you know, all the extra possession stuff, <clears throat> the stuff that gets us going um, offensively and defensively. So, uh, you know, it's just something I look to do every night, something different. See, the thing is, though, PJ, the way he makes it sound, it, you've got different guys doing different things, but nobody can do what you can do in the sense that he says, <laughs> he says, we plug PJ in on the best player on the other team, and he's going to guard that guy regardless of position, and we can switch off him. He gives us so many options. So what that means is, obviously, you're going to be chasing Steph Curry or locking down Kevin Durant. You're going to get one of those battles every single night. How do you approach those battles, and how much pride do you take in those battles? Um, uh, that, that is my job. That's what I do. That's what I take pride in. That's what I stay there. Uh, Every single night, having to play one of the best players in the NBA. Uh, you know, if you don't get up for that, I don't know what else to get up for. And I was one of those things. You study every day, watch a lot of film. Uh, you know, you got to know guys in and out because guys are such, such good scores in the league. Uh, you know, scoring you know, 30 plus points every night. Uh, got to be locked in. And uh, that's something I definitely pride myself in. P.J. Tucker joining us, you know, not only that, but it's also like this approach, it's this attitude. There's so many amazing stories from guys that you go up against and the way they react to it. For instance, Jared Dudley said that when you guys went against each other in practice, he never bothered trying to dribble around you. Quote, I'd always pass. I'd always move without the ball. He said that he would try to get away from you because you made life so tough for him, and he's not the only guy who talks like that. Like, what's your reaction when opponents say to you, man, calm down, dude, relax. Does that make you laugh? No, I, just, I swear, I think uh, it's something that you know, obviously you, you want people to say about you as a defender, but, uh, you know, it's one of the things I take pride in every single day. So in practice every day, get better. Uh, you know, I want guys to challenge me, go at me. Uh, that's why me and Devin Bucker created, created such a good relationship because he was fearless every day, really trying to attack me and go at me uh, his rookie year. And, you know, he definitely grew from that, and I did as well. So um, it's something that you take pride in trying to get better in every single day. I would imagine, though, guys, just not everybody wants to deal with that intensity, that energy all the time, every single day, and that's a good part of your game. That works for you. You know, then there's this thing, though. When you, when you exert that much energy on both ends of the floor, you know, I've heard one basketball coach after another say that there are guys who want it offensively, but not everybody wants to pay that price defensively because it takes a toll on you if you're going out all out on both ends. So how do you prepare your, bo your body and your mind for that battle night in and night out to go all in, all out on both ends of the floor? Yeah, you know the NBA season is so long. Uh, 82 games, we don't realize how many games that is uh, throughout the year, back-to-backs. Uh, it's a lot. Uh, so... Uh, you definitely take care of your body. You know, living in, living in the training room, making sure my body's together in the weight room. Uh, you know, taking care of yourself. And this is all outside of practice, so uh, a lot of work goes into that. But also, just having your body in the best shape as possible. Uh, you know, I have to 
shed some weight, uh, you know, going into this season just because I wanted to be able to play uh, stronger for a longer amount of time. So uh, it was one of those things you, you have to <laughs> kind of cook up and, and kind of figure out you know, as you progress in your career how to be able to have your body in tip-top shape. P.J. Tucker joining us. You know, on that point also, you said to CBS recently, I know how it is. Obviously, I'm, quote, nobody is as talented as James Harden, but I know what it's like to lead a team. So how do you approach leadership in terms of this particular group and what you do for them? How do you lead this group from the front? Uh, um, more than anything, I know what I'm going to get from Chris and James every time. You know, every night they'll come out and they're going to do what they do. Uh, you know, our team is going to be dependent on everybody else. Everybody else coming in and doing their job. You know, between me, Clint, Eric, uh, and the rest of the guys, everybody else has to come in uh, and do what they do. You know, that's what we say. We say, do what you do. You know, we don't need you to do anything else but what you do and what you bring for our team. And if, if everybody on our team does it every night, then, you know, I, I like our chances. So, uh, you know, the more than anything is trying to get everybody else going and being focused uh, that, are, that are around those two. Right, so last year, legend has it, you played Game 7 against Golden State after undergoing three root canals. There's a lot of work to be done between now and the playoffs. How much, though, would you like another shot at those guys in the postseason? <laughs> yeah, I definitely have, man. Um, you know, that, that's definitely the focus, trying to get back to the West Conference Finals. Uh, you know, we got in a really good position last year. Uh, you know, some unfortunate things happened, and, you know, life happens, and, you know, we didn't win, but... Uh, you know, our focus has been to get back there. Uh, we've gone through the steps. Uh, you know, we've had a pretty decent season. Uh, not as good as we possibly wanted, but you know, they ended out pretty good. Uh, so I think now going into the playoffs, we're a different team. It's definitely not the same team as last year uh, with the whole new focus and understanding what we got to do to get it done. And then finally, how are you different now than you were last year, and how do you feel like it's setting up for you this year? Uh, it, it, I, honestly, it's a completely different team. Uh, so like we're, we're a little bit deeper this year. Uh, you know, we got uh, a few more guys that have been around the block, uh, have playoff experience, and uh, can plug in in case injuries or anything else like, like that happens. Uh, you know, we got we got a lot of experience. Uh, you know, last year our team was, was really together. We had uh, we had some good units. You know, to win 65 games. Uh, I don't know how many teams have ever done that in the history, but you know that's pretty special uh, franchise amount of wins. But uh, you know, with all that. You know, we're still not, not winning this year. I feel like uh, we're a little bit deeper uh, as a complete team in uh, every position. Uh, and, and I think uh, it's going to help us in the long run, no matter what happens. When it gets cold out there, your vehicle needs some extra attention. O'Reilly Auto Parts has everything you need to keep your vehicle toasty warm. From choosing the right antifreeze for your engine to replacing your windshield wiper blades, O'Reilly will help get your car or truck in fighting shape for the cold weather ahead. It's still cold here in SoCal. I know it's cold where you are. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Hey, remember Bob Kraft? He'd really like you not to remember Bob Kraft. But you remember him, right? Funny how when he and the Patriots were winning the Super Bowls, which was only a few weeks back, man, this guy was everywhere. Showing up in his special sneakers, living the life. And then all of a sudden, Bob got busted for solicitation in a strip mall, and suddenly, he doesn't want that attention. He couldn't get enough of you looking at him and talking about him, and now he just wants you to forget about him, to look the other way. Yeah, whatever you do, if you ask Kraft, whatever you do, do not look at him or that video of him getting sexed up in that strip mall spa. 
See, he and some other defendants are reportedly filing a motion to keep that video evidence from getting out. Reading from the TMZ report, quote, Kraft's attorneys and attorneys for the other suspects filed jointly Wednesday morning to get a protective order, which would prevent law enforcement from releasing any evidence gathered in the investigation. That includes the hidden camera footage from inside Orchids of Asia Spa in Jupiter, Florida. As we reported, cops placed cameras inside the spa and say they have video of Kraft making two visits to the spa. Cops say it includes footage of two women manipulating his genitals. (sighs) So it's at that point. It's at that point that I'm done. It's at that point that I'm done. I mean, what a horrific image that is. I can't unhear that. I can't unthink that. And that is so horrific. I'm thinking of signing on to support Kraft's argument that that video never, ever get out. Generally, I think for the average person, it's hard to identify with the average billionaire or get with the average billionaire. But I think we'd all be in agreement of that, right? Just reading that phrase is awful. Saying that phrase is worse. And then thinking about it and seeing it is the worst thing of all. Let me tell you something. I mean, what do we all have nightmares about? That. We all have the same kind of reoccurring nightmares, right? Falling, your teeth falling out of your head. Personally, I still have nightmares about not being prepared for finals in college. And being naked in public. We're all afraid of that. Everybody except Chris Jenner or Tommy Lee. They're the only ones who don't want a sex tape to go public. And least of all, a 77-year-old, rich, famous guy who owns the most successful sports team on the planet right now. That guy doesn't want that. A public figure, a leader, a head of a company. Of course he doesn't want that tape to go public. Who would? Point is, it's A wildly embarrassing piece of video, even for a John Doe. Now imagine being Bob Kraft. Imagine knowing a large part of the country is going to give into their twisted curiosity and watch you secretly taped at a massage parlor. It's going to happen, if it happens. And then once that gets out to the public, there's no way to unring that or unsee that. And then you're walking around, and you just have to assume that every single person that you pass for the rest of your time on this planet has seen that tape. Because even if they haven't, you're just going to think they have, and it's a horrible, horrible way to live. And there's more embarrassment. That's not all. The embarrassment and the disgrace for Kraft does not end there. According to TMZ and the Wall Street Journal, earlier this week, he was offered a plea deal. All right, that sounds normal. But this is one of those plea deals that would reportedly require that he admit that if the case went to trial, he would have been found guilty. And that part of the punishment would include, according to TMZ, completing a course about prostitution and 100 hours of community service. He would also have to submit to an STD test. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't know if this guy's innocent or guilty. In this country, you're supposed to be presumed innocent. So let's just go ahead with that for now. 
And if you are innocent, you never want your name to be associated with a strip mall sex worker bust. And you never want your name to be associated with the phrase manipulating his genitals. And you never want your name to be associated with a court-mandated STD test. That's the triple crown of bad PR. And a source allegedly close to Bob told ESPN he's not taking that plea deal. Quote, that's not going to happen. And said the 77-year-old would rather fight the charges in court than admit to a crime. All right. All right. I'm not really sure where that's going, but all right. I'm just going to go ahead and guess that that is just legal posturing because if there is video of the incident or incidents and you're fighting to keep that video suppressed, exactly what charges are you fighting, right? Is this just a matter of negotiating the terms or is a 77-year-old dude charged with strip mall solicitation really going to fight this all the way? And if so, is that the fight you really want to have? According to ESPN, Kraft is said to be especially concerned about having his name connected to accusations of sex trafficking. End quote. All right. The best way to never have your name connected to accusations of sex trafficking is to not visit sex workers in a strip mall. If you were to write a book on how to avoid having your name connected to sex trafficking, that would be somewhere in the first few chapters. And yes, nobody in the case has been charged with human trafficking at this point. And both of the women who allegedly provided services to Bob have valid driver's license, licenses, and were licensed by the state of Florida to provide massage services. The issue is that they were providing illegal services. So at this point, as it relates to Bob, this is not about sex trafficking. It's about sex workers in a strip mall. Bottom line, the faster you sort this out, the faster it goes away. The longer you fight it, the longer we have to hear phrases like manipulating his genitals. The longer we have to think about the possibility of that sex tape getting out. I mean, I know he's got the best, the best protection, I hope, the best legal help that money can buy. But what if there were just one guy One person, one man, one lady, somebody in the authorities who just were to happen to let that thing slip somehow, some way. Some legend or hero who let that out. You'll never scrub that from the internet. Man, if the internet is in ink, that's the one thing you will never scrub. Story's not going away anytime soon. Not with the owner's meetings coming up. For the first time ever, I cannot wait for the owner's meetings. Get your popcorn ready. Get your popcorn ready. Get it ready. Hey, let me take you back to 1989. Remember that? You know why that year is significant? That was the year the World Wide Web was invented. Yeah, well, we've come a long way in 30 years, right? So if that's the case, why does it feel like the software that you use every single day at work is stuck in the past? Like you got it from 1989. Take a leap into the future. Find the right software for your business on capterra.com. Here's what Capterra is. It's a leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. With over 700,000 reviews of products from real software users, you can discover everything you need to make an informed decision. You probably don't even know what you're missing. I know I didn't. I thought I had this thing figured out. Until I heard about Capterra and I started to use it. And then I realized just how far stuck in the past I was. 
Trust me, you're probably in the same exact position. You don't believe me? Then go to Capterra.com slash Rome. Go there right now. Capterra.com slash Rome. Use it for free. It's an amazing resource. Use it for free. Find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. Capterra.com slash Rome. Why would you not do this? Why would you not check this out? I'll spell it for you. C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash Rome. Capterra.com slash Rome. I went there. It changed the way we do everything. You should go there too. John Brannon is my guest. John, good to have you back. How are you? Jim, great having me. Thanks so much. It's good to have you. So you're, I think they're coming for you. Those aren't the cops. They're not coming for you, are they, John? No, they're giving us a police escort right now to our practice facility. That's how you Sorry do it. That. That's how you do it. All right, so you got a police escort. You're about 24 hours away from tip-off against Texas Tech. You've got your police escort. How are you, the staff, and the players feeling right now? Well, we're excited. You know, obviously, it's a tremendous honor. It's a humbling experience to be in the NCAA tournament. And uh, Tulsa's been a great location, uh, very hospitable, and you know, this is our second opportunity in the last three years, and uh, we're excited to get started. All right, so I'm going to talk to you about that first opportunity in a minute. But you beat Wright State in the Horizon League Championship game last Tuesday in a game where you had four starters and a reserve scoring in double figures. How happy were you with the way that team delivered in such a pressure situation? That's a great question. I tell you what, there's not more of a pressure situation than a mid-major team who's won the regular season title but knows you can't get to the tournament unless you win that final game. And for our guys to come out in the way they did, how aggressively they did, you know, we've got tremendous uh, production from some guys that, uh, from a scoring standpoint, that don't produce as much, which was a huge lift for us. And really, we're, we're a double-digit lead most of the game. So the, the approach that we had that game really spoke to the ownership that our guys have and the understanding of the moment. Really proud of the way we performed. Northern Kentucky head coach John Brandon, my guest. Now, John, when you and I talked back in 2017, it was the first time the school had gone to the NCAA tournament. When you look back on that season and that run, which included a really strong showing against Kentucky, what kind of thoughts do you have? Well, Jim, you know, I think originally it was more of a gift. It was one of the, we were kind of shocking all, right? You know, even the practices leading up to the Kentucky game were trying to get guys focused. They were still off the high of winning the championship. This year's felt different. Uh, you know, I hope we perform, you know, well, but this has felt more as uh, something that we've kind of earned and an expectation throughout the season. So practice has been a little bit more focused and a little bit more intentional than it was two years ago. Right, so this one's a little bit different, and you mentioned your expectations. Let me ask you this. You draw Texas Tech in the first round. Knowing Chris Beard and how his teams get after it, what was your reaction when you saw their name pop up? <laughs> wasn't excited. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. you know, I, I, I liken it to Christmas morning, but only at Christmas you get to ask for the gift. and I, I didn't necessarily ask for Texas Tech. <laughs> but, uh, you know, number one defensive team in the country, which is outstanding. Chris does a great job having his guys prepared each and every possession, much less each and every game. So, Tremendous challenge for us, but listen, at this point, you're going to have that kind of challenge. Uh, NCAA tournament's going to bring out the best teams. John Brandon joining us. So listen, you know about him and his program, but he knows about you and your team. Beard said, quote, I watch a lot of college basketball, so I probably know more about them than anybody in Lubbock. Have a lot of respect for their coaching staff and their program, relatively new to Division One, and have been competing for championships since day one. So he really does know what you and the program are all about. How do you go about preparing to face Texas Tech? You know, I don't know that you can, Jim. I think you're in a situation where you, you really can't go against athleticism and tenacity each and every day. I do think there's some parallels between the way both teams play in terms of the defensive focus that both teams have and from the ball screen defense and some different things that you know we do go against every day in practice. But 
you know, for us to go against their length and athleticism at the rim, it just doesn't take place. So what we got to do is we got to be us. We got to have great spacing. We got to get out in transition. And we got to do what we do well. And at the same time, you know, it's a game where you hope you, you hope some shots go in from the perimeter. You know, John, back at the start of the season, you were saying that there have been moments where it almost felt like you were coaching two teams at once. There were the guys who had won a Horizon League regular season title, and then you had the new faces who were trying to figure out college basketball, and really more specifically, Northern Kentucky basketball. What were the early parts of the season like for you? Uh, it was more of a challenging year, despite the fact that we were 26-8 and when 13-5. and I think that early feeling out process really – Count on Drew McDonald and Jalen Tate and Dan says Waltz to really bring the young guys along. You know, I think any coach will tell you there, there's always a tipping point of any season where you look at your team and say, okay, we've got to move on. Everybody's on the bus. If you haven't caught up now, then you're just going to have to catch up after the season's over. We, we've got to continue to go forward. And I think for us that probably took place towards the end of non-conference play, Jim, and then led its way into conference play where I thought we were really good and then we had some slip-ups in February. Without the month of February and going 4-4, four and four, I don't know that we're sitting where we're at today. John Brandon joining us on the way to practice. You know, you mentioned Jalen Tate. Jalen Tate told the Athletic, quote, Coach Brandon told me when I came on my visit that this was a championship-caliber program and we were going to raise banners here, end quote. So what did you know that maybe others didn't know about the program that you could be hanging banners as quickly as you have? I just believed in our system. I believed in what we were going to do. I believed in the community itself. I'm from Northern Kentucky. I believed in the university, and uh, you know I knew it would happen. I just didn't know when. I, I think the real the real thing that's happened that uh, I don't want to say surprised me, but I've been most excited about Jim is the consistency that we've had. Three straight titles, you know, to be able to sustain the the the, the, the championship caliber program that we have is really a product of the young men that we have in our program. And when you're around these guys long enough, you'll see why this takes place. It, it, it doesn't take long. These guys really get it at a high level. Northern Kentucky head coach John Brandon joining us once again. You mentioned the system, and then there's the approach. Obviously, when you watch your team, the coaches, the analysts, everybody who watches you, John points out the way you get after it defensively, the way your guys get after it defensively. What is your philosophy when it comes to defense? We're going to play each and every possession. Uh, you know, where we're going to play as hard as we can, and we're going to let them play with freedom offensively, but we're going to sub based on defense. And the, the physicality that we play with, the first miss mentality, uh, you know, we have one standard defensively, Jim, which is we contest every shot. You know, you watch a football team. I liken it to a great defensive football team where all you see is their helmets flying after the ball. That's the way we want to be. We want you to watch NKU basketball and see a bunch of jerseys, whether we're white or black that night flying around at the ball. All right, so John, what about those guys? To get them to play like that, as an example, I had P.J. Tucker from the Rockets on the show in the first hour. He's an incredible defensive player, and the argument in the past has been the defense is about effort and desire. You tell me, how much of it is about want to and how much of it is about pure physical talent? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I, you know, I played for Coach Donovan in college, and he would always tell me it was about hard and hustle, and I told him I had the slowest feet and the lack of athleticism. So I think it's a little bit of both. I, I tried really hard, and I was a horrible defender. So I think you got to have Jalen Tate's athleticism. That helps a lot. But these guys, I think it's the buy-in of wanting to be a great defender and understanding that, hey, we can get out and transition and play offensively if we can get that first miss. And then the accountability comes in when, okay, I find my teammate doing it, the guy to my right and my left doing it. If I don't do it, then I'm letting somebody down. I think – I think Chris has got that at Texas Tech, and I'd like to think we have it as well. John Brannon joining us. So, John, what is your number one message to your players between now and the start of tomorrow's game? Live in the moment. Be where your feet are. Understand there's going to be levels of, uh, you know, where they go on a run, we go on a run, but you divorce yourself from the outcome and let's live in each possession.
Northern Kentucky, 26-8 and eight on the year. They've got a terrific opportunity in Texas Tech tomorrow, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. They're on the way to practice right now. The head coach of Northern Kentucky in his fourth season with the Norris, John Brannon. John, really good to have you back on the show. Listen, good luck. Thanks for joining us, and we'll all be watching. Always great to hear from you, Jim. Thank you. Anyway, Tom Tolbert used to come on the program when he was a member of the L.A. Clippers. And he had such a great, great way about him. I knew he'd end up in the media, and he did. He was one of the first athletes to get in and just crush it in the media. But he came on this show in 1998. And I don't think that it was the first time that he brought it up, but probably the first audio we have of it. And he laid out this notion of Dr. Boudreaux and how Boudreaux got to athletes and got them in compromised positions. This is what Tony and Riverside's talking about. Now, when we talk about gambling, gambling being legalized, gambling and people having more and more access to games, this is Tom Tolbert back in 98 when guys didn't say things like this. What do they tell you? I mean, any of those horror stories? Do they show you the videotape? I mean, how do they get you early on and say, hey, look, you don't want to do this or else? Well, they always bring in the FBI early on in the season. These are like two guys that roll up in suits and tell you, look, if there's any shady characters rolling around, let us know. If anybody comes up to you and asks, are there any injuries on the team? Is anybody sick? Blah, blah, blah. But this one story, was, this was mortifying. I mean, you're sitting there, right? I was like, how old was I? Like 19, 20 years old first big university I'm playing in. So I'm kind of taking this stuff seriously, like like for about five minutes, and I dismiss it and go, go make my bets. <laughs> I was telling the FBI guy, can you hurry up? The game's starting at 3 o'clock, okay? I need to get out of here. I need to get down. So anyways, awesome. he's telling me a story of this guy named Dr. Boudreaux. I Dr. Mean, Boudreaux. Dr. Boudreaux, right? I don't know where the guy comes from. It sounded like an urban myth to me, but this guy gives me this story. They showed, well, actually, they showed us pictures of him. Like, stay away from this dude, like, at all costs. This guy's dangerous. So we're, like, sitting there listening to stories. Dr. Boudreaux, Dr. Boudreaux, Boudreaux's guy. exploits. And what this guy would do is he would hang out with basketball players or football players, like college players, get to know him a little bit, take him out for a couple beers. He'd, like, slip him a Mickey. Then he would bring him back to their hotel room, right? <laughs> back to their hotel room. They'd be passed out. They would wake up in the morning with, like, Polaroids of him standing over him with like his crank in their face and blackmail him. Absolutely incredible. I mean, this guy would just, and then he'd basically just say, listen, Buck, listen, Buck, I want it, money, I want this, I'll be your agent, Buck, I'll be whatever you Buck. want. And the, guy, the guys were just like, uh, all right. But with all due respect to the family-oriented listeners up and down the West Coast and across America, tell me you did not just say he would stand over with a Polaroid with crank in their face. That's, I, Great, I just lost three more affiliates. That a boy, Tolbert. So Boudreaux's got so the pictures. Boudreaux's got the pictures. Now, you never hung with Boudreaux. He didn't drop any no. Mickey's in your drinks. <laughs> never saw Boudreaux. Thank goodness. Is this guy real? I guess. Or they just make this guy up for people like you? I have no idea. Whatever. It's a great story. And I believe it at the time. <laughs> yeah. At this point, it's kind of a moot point, isn't it, whether it's real or not? Isn't that amazing? If he didn't cost me affiliates then, it probably just did right then. Right here. That was 20 years ago. Tom Tolbert and I, 20 years ago at the Final Four. Tommy T, 20 years that's how the jungle sounded 20 years ago. No matter how big or small your team is, Ferguson has got a winning game plan for pro contractors with thousands of plumbing repair parts, knowledgeable associates, and the largest national footprint in the game. When the pressure is on, count on Ferguson. Tim Cluse is my guest. Tim, it's good to have you back. How are you? Thanks, Jim. How's everything going? Good, good, Tim. How about you? How are things? 
Doing great, thank you. All right, so you made it going to the NCAA tournament, Tim, an annual tradition, but this season is really different. If we go back a little bit, back on December 30th, you were 2-9. and nine. Now, you did schedule some non-conference opponents that were really tough, but where was this team at that point in the season? Yeah, we're a little bit lost in trying to find ourselves. In reality, we opened the season November 6th at home, and then we didn't play again at home until December 30th. So we were on the road for a month and a half, and you know we didn't expect it to turn out great. We were hoping that we'd win you know, more of those games, but we didn't. And guys were trying to find each other, and I was trying to kind of see what all my new players could do. So we had a lot of work ahead of us. All right, so Tim Austin, one more point about that. You fast forward to February 8th, and even then you were 7-15 and 15 overall, 7th in the conference, but you had suffered three losses by a combined seven points, the kind of losses that could crush a team and ruin a season. How would you describe where your players were at emotionally at that point? You know what? Actually, I thought we were in a good place then. We had a lot of guys who got sick and hurt during that stretch, and we were playing with certain players out every other day, every game, and certain players really sick where they should have really not even played and trying to play, and we're only losing – like you said, by a basket or two baskets, and had a chance to win all of those games. So we were actually thinking if we can get healthy and get a couple of weeks of practice in together and find ourselves a little bit, we have a chance to beat all these teams. Right, so Tim, to that point, I mean, you've got the injuries and you've got some season-ending injuries, and that meant you went into the conference tournament dressing eight scholarship players, and then you had to win three games in four days. How did you go about managing that challenge, and then what do you make of the way your guys responded? I give our guys a lot of credit. They knew the situation we were in. I think they became a little better as far as managing their, their fouls and their plays out there so they could stay on the court longer. The guys who were at the end of our rotation really got a lot of experience during those other earlier games when people were hurt and sick. So now it was a little more comfortable, like we're going to put you in for a minute or two, and they accepted their roles much more later on in the season than they were earlier in the season. So I thought our guys really, really focused on, I think our two returners led the way with, what it takes to win, and we just took one game at a time and try to do the best job we could. I own a coach, Tom, Tim Clues, joining us. I mean, Tim, when you beat Monmouth by 21 in the conference title game last Monday, you knew you were going back to the NCAA tournament. Given everything that this team has been through over the course of the year, the things you and I are talking about, what was that moment like for you and your players? Um, honestly, it was, it was a great moment. I remember telling them we were 2-9 and nine and even thinking to myself, imagine if we ever turned this around and got to the tournament. What a story this would be. And meaning for our own self, not not a national story, but for our players to remember and our coaching staff to remember how hard it was, how hard they continue to work, and something special happened because their work ethic was so good every single day. And what a great learning lesson for them to take into life. Tim, it's a great message from you. It's a great lesson for them. I got to ask you, even in the low points in December and February, did you always know that this team would turn it around? Or was there a moment where you thought, man, it's just not meant to be. This might not happen. Well, the way everything was happening, honestly, it was one day, you know, we'd have our star forward out sick. The next day, somebody else would get poked in the eye. He'd be out. Someone else sprained an ankle. A big guy breaks his, you know, breaks something in his ankle and has to be out for the season. It was just one different player after another. So we'd really go into game. What's your game plan? I don't know. Let's see who's there tomorrow. And we'll figure it out on game day. And literally, when almost like when game time hit, all right, who's healthy? Everyone, okay, let's make a quick game plan and let's just be all about adjustments. And... It was great seeing our guys in that pile after winning a championship and, and hugging and, and crying and cutting down nets for everything they went through this year. I mean, that just speaks volumes about them. That is great. I want to head coach Tim Clues joining us. I want to ask you about Ricky McGill. He was the MVP of the conference tournament and the first player in the hit conference to make four straight NCAA tournament trips. What has he meant to the team this year? 
I think I think his work ethic and his toughness was all about what our team was. He was a kid who literally as a freshman, you know, really had no role on our team and we had a discussion at the end of the season whether or not he should be back or not and he decided to reinvent himself as far as his work ethic and his work ethic got better and better and better. And even this year, Ricky was always a quiet leader, but as we got time point in time, all of a sudden he starts being vocal and talking to players like a coach, came out of his shell that way, and it was just great to see that development in him. And he's really what we are. He's just a kid who plays as hard as he can every single day through injuries, through illness. You know, he doesn't miss, period. He played one NCAA tournament with a broken hand. The hand was the size of a baseball glove a couple of years ago, and he played in it and said, I'm not having the surgery until after it was over with. So, you know, we're going to really miss him. Tim, I think that's a good message really for anybody. I'm not just talking about young athletes, but like if you had a conversation with him as a freshman and said, hey, you know what? You might want to think about transferring. You're just not working hard enough. We're again talking about a young guy who came in. He was not a stud. He was not working that hard. And you point out he completely reinvented himself and now nobody can outwork him and he's got this toughness that you really look for. Is that something that happened quickly? Did he just throw a switch and show up? Or was that part of a process? It was definitely a process, and he, he got better every single year. He worked on his body. He worked on his game. He got in the gym and started doing more. And it wasn't like overnight where he clicked it. I mean, it's like a normal thing. When you make a change in your life, you're not going to go from A to Z in one move. You're going to have to start building that process. Sometimes you're going to take a step or two back, then you got to take a several steps forward again. And that was him. But I think he really took the fact that we were telling him, you're not good enough, you don't work hard enough, so either leave or change your work ethic to fit what we wanted, Iona. And we wanted the answer to be, I want to change and I want to be here, which we had two people that we brought in the office that day. One of them answered that way and stayed, and one left. So Ricky's the one who now has set all these, these marks that no one can ever beat. They can only tie. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was going to say it could go either way, right? I mean, some guys will respond to that, and that will fire them up and light a fire under their ass. Well, you know what I mean? And then others will right, say, like, exactly. I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't need that. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say the other player who he was, but I got a comment, well, basketball is not that important to me. I just want to do it for fun. I don't want to work that hard at it. So, okay, and I like the young man and all that. So I said, then you should find a school that you can do that at. This is not school for that. Tim Kluis joining us. All right, so I remember years ago when you and I were talking about your days before coaching, you were a police officer and a bartender. What's it like now that you're in a position where you've won four straight conference titles? Uh, honestly, it's pretty cool. Sometimes I sit there and, and just like, you know, I really feel like I'm really blessed from the man above, no doubt about it, to give me this opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. And again, I think when you ask guys to work hard, when you have success, that message will, will resonate more with them than when you have failure. So uh, the only thing I know is to work hard and try your best, and it's really worked out for us, and I'm, I'm blessed. It's hey, Tim, one more thing about that. Even more impressive than that change is there's a story about when you got the varsity job at St. Mary's High School and you show up for the first day of tryouts, <laughs> that there are kids trying to kick rubber basketballs into the hoop and somebody was on stage playing a musical instrument. Is yeah, that Matt true? Yeah, who became my point guard was on stage playing a tr- <laughs> like a, uh, a saxophone, and there was three rubber balls that they had left us, and they were trying to kick the balls in from half court, and that's what I walked into. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I, what did I just take over here? <laughs> Right, and then years later, you've got yourself a dynasty at Iona. So you've got North Carolina tomorrow. You are no stranger to facing enormous challenges. How do you go about preparing for this one? You know what? Just like any other thing, we, we know how talented they are and how good they are and the type of game we would have to play to be competitive in this game. And, and we know that, but that's why you play these games, and that's why you accept these challenges. Nobody thought a couple of months ago that when we were 2-9 and nine or 7-15 and 15, that we'd even be having this conversation that we'd be in. So these guys have completely overachieved on the year. So all I said to them is, just keep doing that. Just come out tomorrow. Play the hardest you can play for 40 minutes, no matter 
what happens is give us your hardest 40 minutes, represent yourself the way you have all year with your work ethic. And that's, that's really what I'm looking forward to. These. And, I, and I think it's just a great opportunity. You're playing against the best team in the country or one of the top two or three teams in the country this year and against a whole of fame program. I was going to say, it's a lifetime opportunity. It's an amazing opportunity. Go out there, have fun, just compete, do what you do. Exactly Eat. right. Easy, easy for me to say, Tim, but that's how it seems. So you're a 16 seed in the Midwest at Iona versus North Carolina tomorrow. What an amazing turnaround this season, and they've got an opportunity of a lifetime. Tim, it's great to visit with you. Always great to visit with you this time of year. Good luck with that one. Have fun. Thanks, Jim, and you'll be well. I'm telling you, this is one of the best times of year. NCAA March Madness going on right now. It is time for you to bet with the very best and do it at my bookie. Let's be real about this. You're probably looking to get down. You probably want some action. If you're going to do it, you better do it with somebody you can trust. You better get the action with people you can trust, and the ones you can trust are my bookie. My bookie has been in business for years. My bookie is growing like wildfire. And the best part about my bookie, they pay out fast. So when you do call that upset, a 12 over a 5, maybe a 13 over a 4, make sure you celebrate. Make sure you're pocketing cold, hard cash and doing it fast. March Madness is the most exciting action-packed sporting event of the year. You want to place your bets with somebody you can trust. My bookie. Do it now before you miss out. Bet with the best. Only at my bookie. Try for yourself. Try for yourself by going to mybookie.ag today. If you deposit right now, my bookie will give you a 50% sign-up bonus of up to 1000 bucks just by entering the promo code ROME. You can't beat that. Promo code Rome. You play, you win, you get paid. Fast. Only at mybookie.ag. Rick in Buffalo, right to the front of the line. Brother, what's going on, Rick? Everything's going great, Jim. How are you doing, brother? So good. <laughs> great. As a champion of a half dozen three-hour marathons, I want to give Hawk some last-minute advice. Stay in bed Sunday morning, you little punk. Seriously, Hawk, you can't even finish a 5K without stopping for an extended water break. You're going to get absolutely torched whether you walk an eight-hour marathon or don't show up at all. So save yourself the unnecessary pain, misery, and probable death. Better yet, shave that stupid mustache, dye your hair purple, and move back to Seattle where you can reconnect with all the other New Age weirdos and start your career at the local gourmet coffee shop, although they'll probably hate you there, too. And I'm so glad the tournament finally started, Jim. Now maybe Tom Izzo will stop bitching about how his team got jobbed in the seedings. Listen up, old man. You should be eternally grateful they didn't kick your ass curbside after that Larry Nasser scandal, you couldn't handle that thing any worse, you enabling scumbag. And last thing, Jim, I know you mentioned a smack-off date's going to be announced soon, so let me be the first to RSVP. I don't care when it is or what's on my schedule. You can bet your ass I'll be there. You can have it on the friggin' moon and I'd find my way. Body bags in tote. War Buffalo and Michigan surviving the weekend and then squaring off in an epic Sweet 16 showdown. Unwar Bobby Hurley. Blue chippers like Arizona State should be wildly celebrating Final Four appearances, not playing games. 
Thanks for the vine, Jim.